Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines, those swashbuckling ladies who have to work a little harder than expected for their happy ending. We'd love for you to come read with us in our book club on the Fable app, where you can chat with us about your favorite scenes, vote for your favorite characters, and even help pick our next read. Or you can follow us on Instagram to get a sneak peek at upcoming content. This week, we're reading Graceling by Christian Cashore, otherwise known as It's Like a Parachute Around Her Head. And we are rolling mm-hmm. with Graceling, woo, woo. part one. Uh, if you listen to our new intro, I probably don't need to say this, but um, obviously, uh, if you can tell by my like sexy uh, announcer voice thing, I am sick. <laughs> <laughs> you sound lovely, though. Yeah. It's very more <laughs> mellow, Katie. That's fair. So uh, if I have any like incoherent thoughts, just be like, oh, Katie, ha, 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 and then move on with your life. I apologize <laughs> in Tylenol advance. speaking. <laughs> Yeah, the like NyQuil just freaking out of my mind right now. <laughs> it's fine. I'm going to be going over all of part one and you're going to pass out halfway through the narration. Probably. Just, nope, no comments. <laughs> if there's any like long <laughs> gaps where I'm not talking, it's because I'm snoozing. <laughs> Duly noted. I will I will try to be entertaining for you just to keep you with us. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, this like book, I love it with my entire soul. So that's probably a lie. I don't think you're probably going to be like, Katie, can you like please shut up so we can get through this? And then two hours later, I'll be like, anyways, that's all the reasons that I love this book. <laughs> you know what? I can see why this place has such a like beloved memory and so many people's like reading journeys because I wish I finished this book today, actually, like this morning before we got together. (laughs) And I wish I had read it at 14, like when I read Crown Duel, because Mm -hmm. I think I would have been much more invested in the characters. Yeah, It's still really good. Um, There's so many cool themes and stuff that wasn't done like normally when this when this book first came out. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I wish I'd gotten to experience that. Yeah, I think that's the bummer for me. Like, I feel like a lot of books that are popular on book talk right now don't have the same kind of like empowering message that some of the books that we got to read when we were kids. So it just makes me kind of like bummed out for this generation of like middle schoolers and high schoolers that don't have like the Katzas and the Mel's to kind of have as their like, uh, what is the word? Uh, it's too early in the podcast to ask what is the word. <laughs> You're telling me. Um, I want to say like goal dream. Uh, what are those words in real person talk? Uh, someone you look up to? A role model? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> is that the word you were like? <laughs> That's what I was like, role model. <laughs> oh my gosh, Katie. Oh. What channel did you actually take? Uh, for legal purposes, we're not going to discuss that, (laughs) but yeah, role models, they don't have like the cats as the role models. And I feel like there's some books, like, I don't want to take like the old person, like, oh, everything was better when I was younger. But I feel like cats's story is so relatable as like a teenager where you like start off and you're like, I don't need people and I don't ever get married. And you know, I don't feel emotion and I'm like a crazy, uncultured, un, you know, developed person. But then you like find someone that's like a very reasonable like partner and you're like, okay, maybe I can act like a reasonable person. And like when it works, it works and you like realize it works and they accept you for who you are completely. Like 
I don't know that I've read any books recent, like recently published that have that same kind of underlying message at the forefront. I don't know. I would agree with that. I don't, I'm not reading as many YA books. Oh, that's um, fair too. So maybe that's, maybe that's on us too, but mm-hmm. I do think there was, <laughs> this is going to sound awful, <laughs> a little, a little pretentious, a little boomery, I think. Yeah. But <laughs> it felt like there was higher standards for publishing. Yeah. Like, I could see that. You know, 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I will say that there's something uh, to be said for the ability of authors now to like publish their own pieces. Like you don't have to be um, in the like it club that, you know, publishers only go back to these, you know, eight authors to write books and nobody else can break in. Um, but I think it's harder to what is that expression? It's like uh, shift the wheat from the stock or we're getting full country. Oh. <laughs> I have never heard that before. I don't know where you're going with it. But like, uh, please continue. (laughs) (laughs) It's harder to find like the genuinely good books from the like, okay, mid books. You know what I mean? I probably could have just said that instead of trying to give some like country metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) With the wheat from the farm. (laughs) Wheat from the shaft. Wheat from the, I don't know. I swear to God that that's... (laughs) Just ignore me. Anyways. Readers, if you know what phrase Katie is trying to use, please chime in. Let yeah. us know. What did I'm I say curious. before? A dream? A search dream? Roll dream? We're actually just going to move on. We'll listen to that later and I'll be really embarrassed. <laughs> we can actually start talking about what happens in the book, maybe. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. So, <laughs> this So this section, our, our part one, mirrors part one of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just stop when you get to part two, you'll be solid. There won't be any spoilers. Um, Katza is our is our heroine. Uh, if you couldn't figure that out yet, um, <laughs> not Katniss, Katza. Yeah, <laughs> she uh, she starts out in a dungeon and she's just taking out guards left and right. But she's she's pretty careful. She's administering this potion pill thing. That will somehow ensure that each of these guards that she's knocking unconscious uh, awakes with no memory of what happened to them. And we learn very quickly, like there's a lot of action packed into the the first couple pages of Mm -hmm. this book where she is in this dungeon taking out guards because she's trying to rescue this elderly man who's been imprisoned in this random castle that Katza and her super secret spy team have infiltrated. And... She's almost done. Like she's kind of gotten all the way through and one of the guards faces off with her and recognizes right away that she's a Graceling. Cue the title of our book. <laughs> um, but the guard says this with um, like some disgust and he taunts her about what color eyes she has. And at this, she's like, a little exasperated, she just proceeds to knock him unconscious. She's like, I've heard this before. <laughs> just kind of fuck off, dude. <laughs> Nothing new. And, yeah. It, and it's very easy for her. She's like, it's as easy as breathing to kind of get rid of these guards one by one. Mm-hmm. It's like she does dungeon rescues every single day, which she kind of does. The dream. <laughs> right? And we're we're dumped in this world. We meet uh, Katza right away and 
all of these little things are thrown at the reader. So like about Gracelings. So you've already read this book. I have mm-hmm. not. And I'm like, oh, well, what's a Graceling? <laughs> Clearly they have two different colored eyes, but the whole Graceling effect is very much like X-Men. Mm-hmm. Some children, right? Yeah, like, that's a good point. And it's kind of the same reactions like from the general population mm-hmm. uh, that you see in the X-Men universe is that so some children in this world are born with two different colored eyes, and this indicates that the child is gifted in some way. Not like nerdy gifted, like going to AP <laughs> Calc. It's like um, <laughs> this child uh, will have some special powers to be revealed at some point as they grow older, either in light, late childhood or like their early preteen years. And this gift could be as mundane as being an excellent swimmer or uh, just being a total badass like Katza. So she's got like unearthly speed and strength and coordination to become the most graced fighter in the land. The kind of shitty thing about being born with all these powers, though, is that a the minute a child is born with gracing eyes, so two different colors, right? They They go to live with the king of their country until their gift manifests. So like, you're just chilling in your village and <laughs> pop a baby out because that's how it works. <laughs> and oh shit, they have two different colored eyes. I guess we're going to give our kid away to go live at the castle with the king or mm-hmm. queen, whatever. Um, so they do this because the king or the royal family wants to evaluate how useful this graced child will be. Um, and if it's something useful, like controlling the weather, um, or being an awesome fighter, they get to stay living at the castle and working for the crown. Like they belong to the country. Um, if it's completely pointless, they are sent back to their families in total shame. Like if you can hold your breath for a very long time, you're not going to stay at the (laughs) castle. Like that's, that's not that special. So the general sense is that no one really likes the Gracelings because no one likes people that are different. Uh, but the government takes advantage of them when they can. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I think so in the kingdom that Katza's from, um, it's called like the Midlands, I think. Um, that's where the Gracelings um, immediately go into like government service when they're children and they're like grace manifest. But um, there's some kingdoms in this book that that doesn't happen um specifically the one that one of the characters is from that we'll find out later uh oh man i forgot what his kingdom is from we'll get to that later but there's at least one uh kingdom in this like uh book where people with graces are like respected and it's just seen as like a cool extra thing like oh you know they've been graced and they have this ability and that's like totally fine and wonderful but uh in the midlands uh run by a not great guy and he's just taking advantage of children (laughs) so when i went to start i think it's the third or second book in in the graceling series um i realized that there is a map in the very oh yeah like most (laughs) fantasy books include and i'm looking i'm like oh this would have been really helpful to look at as i was reading it because it has it has all of the kingdoms like here katie i'm going to show you uh 
Can you see oh, that? Oh, yeah. I, oh my God. I'm going to be real. Whenever I'm reading a fantasy book, I just skip past all of that beginning stuff. And it's always halfway through that I'm like, God, I wish I had a fucking map. And it's like, I could have just read those first couple pages and I would be provided all of the information. It's almost as if they include that on purpose because you need a map sometimes. But it's fine. Or, um, I don't know, pronunciation guidelines. Oh, those, oh my I God. I skip those too and the, probably shouldn't. Yeah. The worst thing is when you get through a whole book that has a bunch of like confusing fucking names in it and the like last like extra bonus content at the end of the book is a pronunciation guide and you're like why the fuck was this not at the beginning <laughs> oh i think uh some of the sarah j mass books i think has that at the at the end and i'm like this is too late to be helpful <laughs> i already have the pronunciations in my brain like too late <laughs> There's another um, interesting thing that happens in this scene, which is we we get a flashback to Katz's childhood, which mm, we get a lot of mm-hmm. flashbacks, I think, in the beginning of this book in part one, but not as much as you progress throughout the story. Yeah. And she uses these flashbacks, she being Kristen Kishore? Kristen Kishore? Yeah, Chris, I don't know how you say her last Kristen name. Kristen Kishore? Kishore? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, yep, we apologize. <laughs> the author uses flashbacks to kind of give you a better sense of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so as Katza is taking out these guards, we get this um, flashback to this time when she was a child, probably, I don't know, eight or nine, would you say? Uh, yeah, she's like young kid before puberty. So like that really yeah. fundamental like growth age. So she is... So she's a princess. She is King Randa, king of the Midlands. She's his niece. And so, but she was born great. So she was already going to live with the king to begin with. But then she was born great, uh, graced, and no one knows what her grace is yet. So she's at this dinner, formal, formal event kind of thing. And this very sleazy nobleman just kind of makes a grab for her. Um and child Katza just backhands the shit out of this dude <laughs> and basically shoves his brain into his nose, killing him instantly in front of her uncle's entire court. Yeah. Uh-oh. This is a very formative, <laughs> like, experience, as it, as it should be, right, yeah. for any child who just kills someone randomly without any kind of mm-hmm. thought in front of everyone. But this is the event that kind of catapults Katza into becoming a raging death machine in service to the crown. Yeah. But it also is the cause of her extreme aversion to, I would say, death and killing. Mm. Uh, she's this amazing fighter, but she never, she doesn't want to kill anyone. She's kind of got this horror of it. So, mm. yeah. I will say to you. things like in the span of five pages. Yeah. I think that um, Kristen did a really good job with these backflashes because um, I think a lot of authors have a little bit of difficulty um, doing the whole like telling, not showing. But I think she really kind of like masterfully uses these flashbacks to give us um, these kind of like firsthand experiences from Katz's point of view of these like really formative experiences that kind of. Um, manifest into her like personality and the why behind her decisions later that like kind of irritate you and you're like oh my god why is she acting this way and it's like oh do you remember that flashback where she like accidentally killed some like sleazy dude when she was a kid like that's why she's making these decisions yeah it's 
the way she designed the entire progression of this plot through through the book is like perfection. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's really it's fun too because it's subtle. Like I feel like um, when I first read this when I was probably in like high school, I think um, you're less attuned to her kind of character change and development because it's so subtle and you like don't really realize it's happening. And I feel like Katza doesn't even realize it's happening until it's like too late almost. But the second read through, it's like, it's so well done. And like, you can tell that she had the whole plot line like figured out and she'd have these little subtle, like, you know, this is why she's like this way, but this is, you know, what she could be. And it's just, it's really well done. And you see all the like little uh, breadcrumbs when you read through it for the second time. Yeah, a lot of these books that we're reviewing are so good on, as a reread. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You, you enjoy it the first time as like the way you enjoy a movie the first time. And then like the movies that you like to rewatch, right? Pride and Prejudice, anyone? Uh, yes. <laughs> you notice the little things more mm-hmm. and it just makes you love love the story even more. Yeah. Um, but back to back to our story uh, before we get too sidetracked. Um, so Katza taking out guards in the dungeon, and then she encounters another guard. But this one is not like the others. He moves quicker, and he's wearing shiny earrings. So he's, he's ah, quite dapper. The looking. earrings. <laughs> the earrings. <laughs> oh, my but God. also, he's got mismatched eyes as well. And Katza quickly kind of comes to the conclusion that she has encountered another Graceling fighter. But obviously, he can't be as good as she is because she's the best that ever was. <laughs> That's kind of Katz's personality in a yep. nutshell. Like, yep. I'm the best fighter. No one is as good as me. You can try. But and, and it's not like arrogance. It's yeah. just pure self-confidence. It's so, like, it's so fun because a lot of the times we, when you have these characters that are, like, really assured of themselves, it comes off as very, like cocky and like kind of unapproachable and like almost annoying sometimes but Katza she's just like this is a fact like there's nothing I can do to change this there's nothing anyone else can do like this is just what's gonna happen like I'm gonna beat you in this fight and so like as you're reading it you're like not irritated and it's not unbelievable because she just has this like unshakable faith in her abilities of like to be just a fucking like dominant in these fights it is so cool because I mean, that's not unusual in a in a heroine, right? Like yeah. we always get the like, oh, I'm the best heroine that ever was. <laughs> I'm the best sword fighter. I've overcome like my short size to become like a killing machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with there's always like a but though. But yeah. oh, but the tall, handsome man oh, mysteriously God. beat me for the first time ever. <laughs> I wonder what role he'll p- play in my yeah. future. Like, I think that's just... my favorite like part of this is Katza is never beaten like throughout the whole fucking book she does not find someone that beats her in a fight and i love that <laughs> there's oh my gosh i was looking through like good quotes of this book and there's one scene i think it's a little bit later on in part one where they ask her something along the lines of were you planning to just kill the moose with your bare hands and she's like contemplates for a second <laughs> maybe i could kill a moose with my bare hands maybe i should try it and i'm like uh, you go katza <laughs> you know, there's a part later i think it's it's probably like part three where she has that same interaction, but with like a mountain lion. And that's like the first time that she's like, oof, that was like kind of hard. I didn't think I was really going to make it out of that one, but I did. And it's like, you fought a mountain lion with your bare hands. Like, is that yeah, really the I threshold? Love that scene. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that's the threshold. It's mountain lion. Yep. That was the challenge for her. <laughs> bare hands. Um, 
But this, okay, so this Graceling fighter mm-hmm. that she encounters, um, uh, not a mountain lion, uh, <laughs> but he does put up a good fight, and he finally offers her, like, a white flag. He's, like, hands up, like, claims he trusts her, and, you know, he's going to back off. Like, <laughs> he's basically like, I don't know what your purpose here in the dungeon is, but it seems kind of sketchy, but I also support you, and I'm just going to back off. And then Katza being Katza, she just promptly smacks him upside the head unconscious. <laughs> and then she's standing over his body and briefly considers killing him, like, for the good of the mission. Because, like, she doesn't have any more, like, forget-me pills left. She's like, huh, maybe I maybe I should kill this dude. He's got <laughs> shiny earrings and he's kind of cute. Um, and she's like, nah, he'll be fine. <laughs> she just takes her chances on this one. I think that kind of gets into the important, like, characterization characterization of Katza is that even though she knows like killing this random guy that's you know now a threat to their secret mission she's still having this really huge like existential crisis about killing someone voluntarily like I think that accidental death of that creepy guy like she holds that really like it's close held and it kind of informs her decisions of like I know I need to kill this guy because he could threaten like the whole shebang but also I don't want to be a killer (laughs) Yeah, that's that's one of her big hangups. It comes up over and over again. It's just if she lacks confidence in any area, it's this sense of identity where she mm. has this she perceives herself to be like a monster mm-hmm. and that it's completely skewed. Yeah. Like she has been shaped to be a monster and she's not actually one. Mm-hmm. Um so she rescues yeah, remember, she's in this dungeon to rescue this mysteriously kidnapped old man um, who happens to resemble this Graceling guard she just took out. Hmm. Like, same coloring, same earrings, just kind of, huh, that's an odd coincidence. Interesting. Um, that's sus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she she grabs old man who's in bad shape, takes off on her horse, and reunites with her, like, hostage rescue team (laughs) or a little posse (laughs) yeah and they it's quickly revealed to us that this old man that was kidnapped is a leonid prince so he is the elderly father of the queen of monsi is that right oh yeah monsi yeah so this is kind of get where it gets a little confusion. Yeah. Confusion? I can't speak today. <laughs> it becomes confusion. <laughs> so um so there is the kingdom of Leonid, I believe. I know. Is that's it, what I You know what? Let me uh, Yeah, I was about to <laughs> check it too. Yes, Leonid okay. is the name of of the country and it's the it's governed by King Roar. Mhm. And King Roar has seven sons, and King Roar's dad is this old man who kind of refused kingship. Like, he he could have been king, and he decided not to be, because by the time it he had the opportunity to, to wear the crown, he was really old, and his son was already grown. Mm-hmm. So he's like a prince in name only kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and Leonid is also the kingdom where people with graces are, like, respected. Yeah, it's the only kingdom like that. Yeah. And so the this prince, this grandfather fi- figure, he his daughter ended up marrying a the king of another kingdom, so not Leonid, so 
Uh, she's a princess of Leonid, and she married into the kingdom of, of Monsi. And this becomes very important later. Mm-hmm. Hold on to that little tidbit. Put it in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, like maybe make a flowchart so you understand all the <laughs> dynamics there. Uh, it it makes more sense as you're reading. Mm-hmm. Kind of you follow along pretty, yeah. pretty easily. Yeah. Um. So they make it back. So she's she's got her team. They they take this man back to the Midlands, um, where she meets up with a member of her like squad, basically, who happens to be Prince Raffin, who we don't get to spend a lot of time with, but we we learn a little bit about he's a really cool character Mm -hmm. so prince raffin is her cousin and he is the like the crown prince so he's the son of king randa so one day prince raffin will be the king of the midlands Mm -hmm. and he's kind of a non um violent character like i could see that he kind of gives me um like tall lanky nerd vibes (laughs) yeah those like very like gentle characters (laughs) Yeah, so she takes Grandfather Leonid Prince, um, dumps him with Prince Raffin, and then she escapes um, to go with the rest of her rescue party. And so she comes up on a rescue party, like, after she drops Old Man off, and she's kind of berating them for taking a nap. (laughs) (laughs) I love this scene. She comes up on them, and they're all, like, chilling against the trees, like, just chilling, hanging out. And Katza, who's like... Why do you feel tired? I am never tired. Get on your horse. We're taking off. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like this is the first uh, uh, part where you kind of get an inkling of Katz's ability. So like they've been obviously been up for like at least 24 hours at this point because, you know, um, so they're out doing errands for King Randa, but they have this little side gig going on. And so that's why Katza had to like run back to the Midlands, drop off the elderly prince and then you know run back with her horse so nobody knew that they did this little escape uh side quest um but it just kind of shows that she's like kind of totally fine after kicking the butts of countless guards and reasonably these other people are like sleeping and trying to recover and she's like get on your fucking horses we're gonna go it's like girl other people can need to sleep (laughs) you don't have to but (laughs) yeah and I, I think maybe I might have confused us a little bit trying to describe this first section of the book because there's so much you learn right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're dropped into Katza rescuing, you know, this prince, but you also get this background information. So Katza is like the arm of the crown for the king of the Midlands. Mm-hmm. And her team that she was on this rescue mission with are like noblemen and officials in the court. And so they're all official people, but they also are part of this shadowy organization known as the council. And like you were referencing is like, this is their side gig. So like, this is them driving an Uber, right? <laughs> um, they they run this council, which is a kind of behind the scenes, like non, like an NGO basically. Yeah. For all of the kingdoms. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they go around trying to fix the fix the wrongs help help the struggling so if a kingdom has issues or people in an area has issues and they can't bring it to their own like guards their own police force their own government the council steps in to kind of take over and and correct things mm. and 
Yeah, it's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, this kind of feeds into like um, kind of the events in the background of this whole novel is like all of the kings are kind of dickheads to each other and they like are constantly fighting and constantly like jockeying for land and power and like to just fuck over other one other like kingdoms and so like the council was kind of like this okay so these kings are just gonna do you know whatever fucked up things but we need someone that's actually gonna like care for the people and so this is katza and they kind of uh start to recruit other people who have you know access or maybe have like um extra resources they could like donate to maybe just do a little bit of good (laughs) yeah exactly so katza's this so this ngo council thing includes so katza prince raffin and then a dude named (laughs) gideon we'll get into him later (laughs) yeah we'll get into gideon later i wasn't very nice to him when i was first describing him but he's not bad that's fair and uh, the king's spy master, or um, so they all kind of reconvene. They make it back to the castle. They ditch their council disguises, and they come together to kind of evaluate the mystery of the kidnapped Leonid prince. So they stepped in to to rescue him, but they didn't know why he was kidnapped. They cannot come to any like rational conclusions as to why someone would want to kin- kidnap this royal elderly nobody because he has no influence, no power anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so they determined that while they're going to hide this Leonid prince, they're going to help him recover um, and not reveal that he's been rescued. Uh, just keep it a mystery. So hoping that, I guess, the perpetrators would reveal themselves in some way. Mm-hmm. I think they were scared also of it like maybe not happening again. But they're like, we're maybe going to keep this to ourselves. Like, he's safe now. And, like, yeah, the family is probably, like, wondering where he is. But um, there could be some bigger, scarier plot happening right now. Like, a coalition between, like, two different countries and they're going to invade someone. Or some, like, wonky, fucked up shit. So, like, now that cute little soft grandpa is safe, like, maybe let's figure out, like, why he got kidnapped in the first place so it doesn't happen again. (laughs) Yeah. It's – and when you think about it, like, not – like, crime is terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. But crime is even more terrifying when you don't have a why. Yeah. I think that's kind of where they're, where they're at. Mm-hmm. Like, that meaningless violence is, yeah. is horrifying. Because I think that's even uh, kind of what they say in this book. Because they, like, describe the grandpa as just, like, an old guy who doesn't have a lot of, like, social power. And he just, like, hangs out with his cute little grandkids all day. And they're like, why the fuck is someone kidnapping this old man? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's messed up. And, like, they... they just cannot figure it out they're they're not puzzling it through so meanwhile conveniently (laughs) a visitor appears at the castle of king randa so this they're in the midlands and it happens to be a relative of the missing prince who's been searching for his grandfather across the land oh my god and here he is (laughs) (laughs) like you have the silliest like shit eating grin on your Uh face and i feel the same way (laughs) because this character like He's probably in my like top three or four favorite characters ever. And I like, I feel like I forgot about um, this character. I don't want to reveal too much yet. Um, But then like rereading this, I'm like, he is such a good example of what like teenagers and like preteens should see as like a good man. Like 
very like in control of his emotions like he's like open and he like wants to help people like a plus you know role model for people to like you know don't end up with one of these like fuck boys that is being stupid like find yourself this guy <laughs> we haven't even named him yet i know readers, name him so <laughs> if you if you have not read graceling yet uh if you're just listening to us meet he has the stupidest His name. name. I will be real. His name is Poe. <laughs> Prince Poe. Like Mulan Poe. Oh my God. Um, and so this happens to be that Graceling guard that Katza faced off against during her rescue mission. And so she encounters him again after he comes to King Randa's castle and he's, they're at a formal dinner. She's been ordered to attend by her uncle. And so she's sitting in this dinner and He's across from her, like across the room. They're not sitting next to each other. They're not even nearby. But she sees him and she finds him excessively unnerving. Ugh. And she's like way out of it. Like, <laughs> I don't like you. I don't know why I don't like you. Stay away from me. And like, I think you kind of, you described this perfectly. She's just like arms up, <laughs> full awkward, like left the dinner with no reason whatsoever. Because this dude was just. I, She's not about that. Long. I love this whole scene. So like I can imagine it like perfectly. So imagine like this big, you know, like ballroom. Everyone's like talking and there's like a low, you know, a pretty high like sound, like everyone like background noise. And she's just trying to eat. But there's this like super hot guy from across the room just like staring at her and smiling, like not in a weird way, but in a like I'm making you uncomfortable. But it's like funny to me because you have no reason to be uncomfortable. Like you could just, you know, like accept that I'm like kind of flirting with you across the like way but you're just panicking and it's like he knows he's like i'm just gonna continue to like press her buttons a little bit because this is like super hilarious and she just starts to like panic and uh you know i think it's in harry potter where like her hermione gets like more stressed and stressed and her like hair gets bigger and bigger and bigger that's exactly how i imagine this <laughs> she's just like panicking and so eventually she just like like stands up and everybody like stops talking and she's like i'm gonna go <laughs> It's like, girl, just calm down. <laughs> this is the most graced fighter in the land. Like, <laughs> and a boy takes out a mountain lion later. Like, and it's flirting. It's flirting oh that really God. puts her over the edge. She's like Mel, but Mel a hundred times more awkward. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. That's yeah, a lot of similarities. Uh, there. I love this scene. Uh, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Um, so. Poe's been at the castle for okay. We should explain his name. Oh, his that's name fair. is not actually Poe. So Poe is the name of a specific type of tree from the island country of Leonid that he's from, and it's because the leaves on this tree turn gold and silver during a specific season, and Poe's eyes are gold and silver. Uh, his full name is like Prince. Greenling tea leaf. Oh yeah, something. <laughs> I think it's like Prince Green Greening or something. It's something really stupid sounding, which also just like adds to the adorableness of his character. Like he has this stupid name, but he's the most like laid back, chill character. He's like, yeah, that's my name. It's kind of stupid, but you know, my like friends and family call me Poe. <laughs> yep, just Poe. I go by Poe. <laughs> Uh, and I feel like it's also so let me add to the like hot factor really quick. 
Okay, so we already talked about his cute little earrings, but he has like multiple earrings and I think they're in both ears. So just imagine like a little like tinkly tink 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 of a bunch of earrings like clinking in his ears. And then he also, we'll get into it later, the reasoning behind it, but he has a bunch of like rings on and <clears throat> it's fine. Just uh, so he has black hair, but I always imagine him as like kind of the pirate vibes with some like beachy blonde hair. Um, hair color, I feel like, doesn't really matter. It's because you have a thing for blondes, Katie. Apparently, every single hero. <laughs> Apparently, but he because just says I that. was getting like Jack Sparrow vibes. On oh, this guy. I could see that. Yeah, because so, I just thought like a blonde Jack Sparrow, like a little more like a uh, surfery beach bum, a little bit, but like those smart beach bums or like smart characters that are like chilled back and relaxed but they have that like gleam in their eye of like i understand everything that's going on right now and i'm choosing to be like laid back but i'm not stupid <laughs> yeah can you tell we like poe yeah he's, he's cool. <laughs> well okay katza and her team her council team which is again prince raffin and Giddon and or agree to kind of take poe aside and loop him into the council's role in his grandfather's rescue because poe at this point didn't know where his grandfather was at. Uh, well, actually, he probably does because he ran into Katza. I, she whacked him upside the head. Yeah, because I think so when Katza leaves, I could be totally like misremembering the scene, but I kind of think she like leaves and he like goes and grabs her and he's like, hey, like I know that you were at the castle at the same day that all of a sudden my like grandpa's missing again. Like if you know someone, something like, please just tell me, like, please tell me he's safe. And it's this cute like uh, scene where he's like, I know I don't understand like all of these weird like mechanisms and like political scandals like but please tell me my grandpa's okay and it's like oh Poe <laughs> he's so sweet I would let him into the like well, plans too if someone told me that <laughs> so they do right like mm -hmm. they fill him in and they all collectively agree to still keep this rescue hidden and Poe is also trying to figure out this mystery because he wants to know what happened and if it's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. So he decides to use this King Randa's castle as a base for him to like branch out and go to all these other countries nearby to kind of, you know, investigate this mystery. Um, so meanwhile, he and Katza strike up this friendship where he's like, hey, I'm a really good fighter too, like almost <laughs> as good as you. Like maybe we can try together. And she's well, you make me extremely uncomfortable, but <laughs> yes, let's let's train together. Mm -hmm. And so they they form this uh actually really sweet friendship. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is. It's a very um it's friendship with swords and fighting and and fists, but it's <laughs> it's, it's it's very cute. Mm -hmm. Um because I think but it's there's also it's important because like um she kind of has maybe not flashbacks, but like thoughts that she's never been able to actually go like full send with another fighter when she's training because like everyone else is kind of scared of her and they know, you know, they s watched this happen where she just killed someone by like smacking him. Um, and so everyone's a little bit scared of her. And so her training sessions have been very like controlled and she always has to be like constantly thinking about like how hard she's hitting and like what she's doing. But now all of a sudden she has someone that like understands the stigma behind Gracelings and like how no one, you know, everyone wants to keep you at arm's length and he's like just cool and hanging out and they're just sparring. So it's like this very like reasonable you know, you have two like kind of marginalized characters that are like all of a sudden like find someone else that's marginalized and they're like, hey, we could be like friends maybe. Like you make me kind of like uncomfy sometimes because you're hot and you see too many things with your eyes. But uh, we could be friends. 
And on the friends note, like Poe does cats so solid, and he's like pure friend mode. Mm-hmm. That he goes yes. one day. Oh, do you know that your buddy Gidden uh, is probably in love with you? <laughs> so what's happening there? And Katza, typical, uh, goes full awkward. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> what are you emotions. talking about? I can't feel emotions. <laughs> Boys are gross, mm-hmm. and she's like, "No, you're you're being ridiculous." Of course, he doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. And Gidden is like a senior nobleman in the court. He's like a very like, I don't know, trusted advisor to the king. Um, And he's not, he's not a bad dude. No. Uh -uh. And I think he's described as handsome as well. Yeah. So we just don't, we just don't get a lot of interactions with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say that like Poe doesn't tell Katza that like Gidden likes her to be like that guy. Like, oh, you know, like your friend like likes you into like, make their friendship awkward i feel like it was more because giddon started showing up at their like training sessions and he would be like watching because it was always you know like generate a crowd because you see like two really competent people doing something they're good at and like you just can't not watch you know um but he would watch and he'd like walk out halfway through looking all pissed off and like katza would kind of notice but she's like oh maybe he's just being like a weirdo but like poe obviously has more than two brain cells and some kind of emotional like intelligence and he's like uh girl he's like acting all weird and being kind of a dick to you sometimes because he likes you and she's like what impossible (laughs) no fucking way but also Giddon gives me the vibes of like one of those people that's very like um like in control and like just assumes like his plan for how people are going to act is is what's gonna happen (laughs) and is just very like this is my life plan and like this is how people are going to act towards me and you know i'm gonna hit this age and then i'm gonna get married and then i'm gonna run my cute little you know duchy or whatever his kingdom mini kingdom is called and like that's how life's gonna be and then cats is like (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) that's actually that sounds about right for for forgetting if i'm thinking back to his character mm-hmm. looking at like thinking of him in that lens is like a super type a like yeah has his life planned out and he's like of course Katza and i are going to get married i'm going to pick the right time to tell yep. her and she's obviously <laughs> going to say yes and then it'll be fine uh-huh. uh and then poe comes along and looks like a pirate and hot getting to see Katza for the first time kind of like off her game yeah and he's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, mm-hmm. do I need to do something? Like, mm-hmm. Q, like, takes out a hair comb. Like, let me fix my hair. <laughs> let me fix my coat. Like, I'm handsome, too. <laughs> I just imagine, like, he's watching them, like, fight and have fun. And he kind of, like, sniffs down. And he's like, I don't smell. Like, why does she not, you know, fight and have fun and laugh with me like that? Like, what is, uh, <laughs> what is happening? My breath doesn't yeah. smell either. <laughs> I do not understand. Or... <laughs> Poor Giddon. I feel, I, I feel bad for him now. now I do too. But he's so. also just like kind of one of those characters that kind of irritates you in the like, you can't just assume that people are, you know, going to do the things that you want them to do. Like everyone has agency. <laughs> like, why are you so yeah. bent out of shape that things aren't going the way that you want them to? I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> I too am that way. But also it's maybe not healthy. <laughs> Well, he he quickly gets his dose of reality. Yes, so he does. Yeah. <laughs> King, King Randa 
decides to send uh, Katza and Gideon off on like this enforcing function. Um, it sounded like I said function. A little bit. <laughs> I was going to ignore it. <laughs> do we need to flashback to the role model conversation? <laughs> yes, we do. Um, so enforcing function. Um, and the king wants Randa or the king wants Katza and Gideon to force this nobleman to have his daughters agree to this betroth- betrothal. And without kind of going too much into this. Uh, this is the moment where Katz is like, I don't want to force people to do anything anymore. I'm really tired of the king kind of using me as a tool. And she just decides to not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and on this trip, this is when Gideon, because Poe doesn't go with them. So Gideon has his opportunity to kind of make a move on Katza. And she's like, well, man, we're <laughs> friends, right? Like nothing more. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he just gets a little mopey. Like, he doesn't take it great, but he's yeah. like, well, this is Katza, so um, she'll change her mind. I, I'm type A. I, I will get her to change her mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you just, like, literally four seconds ago said that you didn't want to get into the scene, but I love everything about this little chunk, like, this plot point. So, like, first of all, like, them being, like, enforcers, like, Katza always feels kind of conflicted about it because she's, like, being this, you know, like, rabid dog on a chain and, like, King Landa or King Randa is the one that's, like, directing her and she doesn't have any kind of, like, agency. But she's forced to do this thing where, like, you know, this uh, royal nobleman or whatever is just trying to protect his, like, daughters. Like, he doesn't want to force them to marry someone and go to, like, a very dangerous part of the kingdom. And he's like, no, you can't tell me to marry off my kids. And King Randa's like, oh, you're going to tell me no? Well, I'm going to send my killing machine, you know, niece to go fuck you up, and then you're going to. And so Katza has this really, like, existential crisis about, like, what her role is and um, how she's going to like exercise agency over her like destiny and then she kind of has this point like and i think it's kind of brought on by poe kind of like showing her that she's not just a rabid dog and she's actually like a person worthy of like people's respect and maybe even like dignity (laughs) and she's like no what i'm not gonna do this and i might get in trouble and it might cause problems but like i'm not going to hurt this man who's just trying to protect his family and so it's like this very kind of like um like catalyst moment like you know she was a caterpillar before and then she turns into a butterfly and she's like i'm a real person um but i love it because it's i feel like we've all had that kind of um moment where our lives feel like they're not in our control and then she's like no like i can decide to not do these things that i don't want to do and i just uh i love the same <laughs> i i forgot actually about this scene um because I was reading through my notes as you were talking about it. I'm like, oh, this is the scene where shit goes down. Mm-hmm. Get in and Poe. Yeah. So um, as we kind of touched on earlier, Gideon confesses his feelings for Katza during this moment. Mm-hmm. And he, as he's confessing his feelings, and he's not obviously getting the response that he <laughs> wants, um, he starts hating on Poe because obviously he's identified the threat. Uh, he's He knows why Katza's, you know, you know, Katza wouldn't have been interested regardless if Poe was present or not. Yeah. Um, I don't think Gideon can accept that. But he starts hating on Poe, like, full this fucker, what mm-hmm. does he have that I don't? <laughs> like, I am a I am a duke, I have a mansion, I have lands. I can I'm give you a looking. future. 
Yeah, and he says something like along the lines of like, I'm not just this random thug. Mm -hmm. And this is nearly word for word what Poe had said to Katza at an earlier time. Mm -hmm. Like, it was as if Poe had been quoting Giddin before Giddin said anything. Mm -hmm. And this causes Katza to kind of sit back and put, she kind of does the math a little bit and realizes that Holy shit, Poe isn't graced with being a good fighter. He's graced with being a fucking mind reader. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I will say that Katza, um, at least my kind of understanding of her character, is she is so disturbed by this fact because, like, in the book, this is like a huge, like, monumental. She has like a little bit of a meltdown when she figures it out. But I think she is so scared of someone reading her thoughts because she's a character who has never had any agency over her life. Her uncle has been controlling, you know, using her as this like rabid dog. And she assumes that she's not smart. Like you kind of get these like tidbits throughout the story that she's like very self-conscious and she sees herself as just like a wild animal and like not a person capable of like higher thought. And then all of a sudden you get this character who she's like opened herself up to, like she's not really open to a lot of people and she thinks they're friends and then all of a sudden this is a person that has the capability to like see her thoughts and judge her you know lack of intelligence and so she's very like self-conscious about it like reasonably and so it's like a full meltdown like she's like i hate this man like i think i might go kill him like he cannot be free to just steal people's thoughts she feels totally betrayed yes yeah and it's kind of so she has like these two back to mo back back to back moments that are just kind of shaping her life immediately, and that's her refusing to act um, on her uncle's orders. Mm-hmm. So that's her first transformative moment. And then there's the second moment where she realizes that she became close to this individual who she cannot even comprehend trusting anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, so she and Gideon return to King Randa, and she immediately goes and confronts Poe. Like, she's going to kill him. this motherfucker (laughs) Um, like reason a thousand and one why poe is such a great example of a like a healthy friendship Mm -hmm. a positive male lead uh because he's very calm and controlled and he doesn't uh react to her like he doesn't respond to her emotional turbulence Mm. with equal emotional turbulence yeah Uh, which is something like i think most people do naturally like if someone confronts you and they're angry like you're going to get defensive and angry yourself because like why are you accusing me of something Mm -hmm. like i i am angry because now i'm forced to defend myself and poe doesn't do that not at all he like he because he's like a empath mind reader type he knew how katza was going to react to him Mm -hmm. so he's kind of had time to prepare for it but he allows her to express all this mistrust and uh fear and allows her to process it while still not kind of not budging like he doesn't allow her to be irrational with it Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's such a great scene. Yeah, I was about to say that. Like this scene, I think is very powerful, is like a model of healthy relationships, and even just like platonic ones where you're just friends. 
of um, those people that are kind of like worth their weight in gold that, you know, you come at them really upset about something really like on fire and angry and like kind of spiteful and, you know, spitting at them. And they just kind of like, okay, like I understand why you're mad. Like I understand like what I did was wrong and I'm really sorry about that. But they don't like meet your anger. They're just very calm, very collected. They like recognize your hurt. Um, But then they kind of try to like find a way together to work past it. And so by like the end of the scene, he's like, you know, um, calming her down a lot, which I think is, first of all, very important. He's like, hey, like, I understand you're mad, but like, would you listen to my side of this? And she's like, well, I guess. And um, he's like, I can't read thoughts. I can only um, read the thoughts when they're like directed at me. So like, I can't think what you're I can't read what you're thinking right now. But if you all of a sudden were like, oh, Poe is tall. That's something that would like register on my like radar. And so she's like, okay, I mean, that's still like mind reading though. And he's like, but is it? Like, it's just like a defensive mechanism, basically. Like, I can know when someone's going to like betray me, or I can know when someone's like lying to me if they think in their head, but it's not like I can reach in at any point and like take what I want. And so she's like, okay, like, I'm still upset that you didn't tell me but that's better than you being like an actual mind reader and so by like the end of the scene they're having like an actual like healthy relationship about boundaries and like he kind of explains like ways that she can um like not have him read her thoughts like to go like you know almost a meditative state and like don't think about anything um so they find like a workaround together which i think is a very good like conflict resolution tool and i love that this is just like you know a an exhibit of a healthy relationship. And so like, he's like, you're calm, you're in control of your thoughts and emotions and like your actions too. Like you can decide whatever you want to do. And so she takes all of that, that she just learned from this conversation when she goes then to have this, you know, showdown with her uncle. So, and Poe's grace, this ability to sense like action and thought towards that's directed at him is what makes him such a good fighter with Katza because he can sense when she is moving towards him because it's a, he's anticipating her moves basically. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're pretty healthily matched in the, like in the arena. Um, but yeah, like you said, almost immediately after this really like emotionally mm. taunt scene, um, King Randa summons Ketza to the throne room because he has learned that she returned from this mission without having completed it, mm-hmm. like flat out refused. <laughs> and so she's kind of on edge a little bit. She's like, well, this is the first time I've ever said no to my uncle, so I'm not sure what's going to happen, but it's not going to be good. And she she goes to the throne room and there's King Randa sitting on his throne surrounded by his entire royal guard, like hundreds of people, would you say? And then... Mm-hmm archers are along the wall and they're all aimed at her because this is the most dangerous fighter in the entire land um he doesn't know what she's gonna do um apparently he's gonna threaten her because uh, that's a good move to the most dangerous super good move <laughs> uh, yeah and so she shows up and she a typical cats is she's not phased she's like huh this is interesting <laughs> and she just very calmly explains like this and this calmness she just learned from Poe because mm-hmm. she just had this full out like battle with him <laughs> and explains how she is not going to do these evil things on behalf of her uncle. And uh, what are you going to do if I say no? And he just kind of sits there gaping at her like, 
well. What um, do you mean, no? <laughs> I have all of these. Yeah, like I have all of these soldiers, and she just explains how she's going to take out every single one of these soldiers and then throw a knife at King Randa's throat if he decides to attack her. And so with that, she just kind of turns on her heel and stalks out of the th- out of the throne room. Mm-hmm. Like end the story. Like everyone's just standing there because you know it doesn't matter. Like it, and it kind of goes to show she. We don't know if she could have taken out every single guard in that room. She has the confidence that you believe her, but she's never been test. She's never been tested on. I think at that level, um, and I think it's that self confidence that kind of comes across to everyone, where they're like, they don't know what she can't do, mm-hmm. so that no one wants to try her. So I think it's equal parts fighting and, and just how she carries herself, which is such a good lesson for like young readers as well, like. Be confident in yourself, and that's hard. It's hard to do when you're mm-hmm. when you're young and you and you have all these insecurities. But Katz is such a good example of like she knows she's good, and she owns it. There's no, um, she's not humble because she doesn't need to be, and it doesn't serve her. Um, it doesn't suit her mm-hmm. either. I just love it. It's this very like powerful woman moment where I I could see it. I could see it in front of my face. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I agree. Because it's kind of this existen- like existential crisis moment. Because um, I think we've kind of mentioned it throughout. Like Katza doesn't have a very healthy um, sense of self. Like she has been treated uh, as like this rabid dog on a chain that like, you know, her uncle controls. And at any moment he can, you know, take her off that chain and she'll go commit acts of violence because she's just, you know, a wild animal. And um, you kind of get her inner monologue during the scene of her thinking when she walks in that she's going to kill him because she like can't control her anger. And like, what is what is the other choice is, you know, just leave him alive where he can you know hunt her down for the rest of her life but she has this moment where she's like no i'm not going to kill you like i'm not a rabid animal like i'm a person and i'm choosing to let you live and you know your actions aren't going to force me to make some action that i'm going to regret and it's this cool like sense of self like evolution like you kind of get her character development of where she like sees herself and like the scene before that point is like, um, you know, like a, a servant comes into the room where her and Poe are talking and he's like, hey, the king like requested you. You need to come immediately. And Poe like immediately kind of panics because he's like, what the fuck did you do? And she's like, um, I maybe like made a little bit of a mistake and like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he like verily calmly is like, you are going to go in and you're going to like do whatever you need to do, but don't make him force you do to do anything. And she's like wow, like, I didn't know I could have agency. And he's like, you're a person. Just like, whatever you're going to do, make sure it's something you want to do. And she's like, huh. It's just this cool little, like, coaching moment where she, you know, turns into the supreme version of herself. (laughs) This is kind of like a very extended prologue Mm. of the actual story. Mm Mm-hmm. Part one's pretty long. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's like kind of picks up. I thirty percent, thirty-two percent. Yeah, so yeah. it's about 170 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of just it. All it does is serve to give, like, develop Katz as a character, mm-hmm. show what she's experienced, and establish these relationships right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And it's all done to just kind of propel you into the actual story, which yeah, which starts. 
around part two. But it's weird, um, though, because when you're reading it, you're kind of like in the soup. Like this feels like all the action. But then when you get done and you kind of analyze it, you're like, this is really just like laying the groundwork, even though it's, you know, a whole like third of the book. Um, but when you're reading it, you're like, oh, my God, like what's going to happen? And then it almost kind of cuts off and goes into like the next, you know, actual part of the story. Yeah. you And you really you kind of don't know what's coming, mm -hmm. which is which is fun. Like at this point, I had no idea what was going on with this kidnapping. Thing. <laughs> That's fair. They keep it very because I feel like sometimes um, it's easy to kind of forecast what's going to happen because um, a lot of books follow the same formula and you're like, OK, like I kind of know, you know, there's these little hints and that normally means this is going to happen. Um, but this one, like she does such a good job of like giving you just enough to understand what's going on and even like maybe a little bit of confusion about what's going on, but it like matches what the characters know. And then, you know. She really drags it out until you're like, holy shit, what happened? Exactly. So this is why we're stopping at part one. So mm -hmm. yep, it's a good stop point. You'll join us for <laughs> <laughs> join us for part two and we'll get more into Katza and Poe's adventures. So. Oh, love. <laughs> if you liked part one, you're going to love part two and part three even more. Um, I will say you will suffer extreme heartbreak in part three. <laughs> just emotionally prepare yourself but there's there's a good ending like we, yeah. we don't we don't read books that don't have good endings nope. so mm -mm. Uh, it's kind of our rule here uh what is that one harry potter quote since i'm feeling very harry pottery uh the whole when they're reading tea leaves i think it's book three and he's like you're gonna suffer but you're gonna be happy about it that is this book <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's yep. to this this book to a T. Yep, you're gonna suffer, but to you're gonna be happy. <sighs> Jordan, <laughs> shame. <laughs> uh, you're gonna suffer, but you're I gonna be happy about it. <laughs> oh God. Okay. From this is art. Are we good? Yes. Do we have any more? I don't think All so. Because right. if you let me continue, I'm just gonna talk about how much I love Poe. <laughs> We have more than enough time to do that in part two and part three. That's fair. Part three is going to be a lot of Poe talk. Oh, yeah. Poe talk. <laughs> <laughs> we should have an... That's going to... Poe talk yep, is going to be talk. the name of episode three. <laughs> okay. With that, uh, please join us on our book club mm -hmm. to discuss how much you loved part one or hated part one. True. Like, I would be very curious to hear if you did not like part one and decided to DNF this book. Mm -hmm. So join us there and we will chat with you and see you next time. So from our shelf to yours. We'll see you on the next page. So last, oh, fuck. I don't even know how to start this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so this is the second time we actually recorded Graceling Part 1 mm -hmm. because the first time we had a bit of an audio mishap and <laughs> we only ended up getting Katie's side of the actual call. Yep. But funnily enough, Girl, funnily. <laughs> we decided to keep... <laughs> 
we decided to to keep a little snippet for all of you dear readers. Uh, yes. Katie, do you want to explain uh, <laughs> what you were trying to explain? So in typical Katie fashion, uh, as soon as the little like record button is pressed, um, all higher thought leaves my brain and I am incapable of using anything above like a first grade vocabulary. Um, and so I... Um, was trying to describe the scene where Katza's being like in this awkward stare down with Poe across the like dinner dining room or whatever. And she's like getting like more and more like frazzled about it. And uh, the word I was looking for is a frilled neck lizard. Um, if you've seen holes, it's like, you know, when they like flap out their thing and they get all scared. That's how I imagined, uh, Katza looked, except, uh, it probably took me a solid like three minutes to get to that. And the, uh, metaphors for, you know, me trying to explain to Jordan this like mildly obscure animal, uh, yeah, will be included shortly. We have shortly. saved them for you. <laughs> <laughs> we, we couldn't resist n- not including this little snippet. So yes. So for your uh, viewing pleasure, for- <laughs> <laughs> we we give you the frilled neck lizard eventually. <laughs> uh, it's like my like defensive uh like lizard motion. Like you know those uh lizard serpent things that have the big old. Uh, I'm waving my hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm waving my hand around my face as if you can see me right now. But um, it's like a parachute around their head. Uh, no, 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 no. These are like real creatures. 